See these lovely trees? And I promise you, this one didn't look this bad yesterday before I put it in my truck and went 50 down the highway. It actually looked very nice. But um, as, as most of you know, I've been on break for um, the, past, the past month. Um, after, after Zeke came back from his sabbatical, I was allowed to take some time off just to do some soul searching and, and, and see where, where God wants me to go in the future. Um, I'm not going anywhere yet, so don't get too excited. Thank you very much. Um, but but I, I got to plant these. And actually, if you've ever been to Paradise Park in general, A, the, the soil is really crappy. Like, it's all rock, and there's nowhere to plant these things. But also, they find cracks. So this, this is like, this was wild at one point. And um, I saw it. My wife liked it. I don't even know what type of trees they are, but they have the nice little bell flowers. My wife loves them. I found them in the weeds. So like I have vines in the back and the vines had come and just started choking them out. So one day during my break, I, I poisoned the, the, the weeds up to so far and then I went back there. All right, let me give you all a little hint to my background. This is some redneck stuff I did, all right? So just be prepared now because this is a redneck. I, so I poisoned the, the vines up to a certain point. Um, got my, my tractor, my lawnmower. It's a lawnmower. It's not a real tractor. <laughs> I, took a, I took a ratchet strap and hooked two of them together and tied it around it. And I just took off. I broke it. it it's two of them. So um, I, I multiplied our sets of trees by doing this. Um, and then I planted them. But for some reason, one of them took off and one of them didn't. I saved them out of, out of the brushes. I promise you all this will come together in the end. I promise. Just hang with me. So I, I planted them the same time, watered them. They were right beside each other. This one, this one hasn't done much, but this one did look like much until yesterday um, and going 55 miles an hour down the highway. So all that being said, we're going to get back to it, all right? There's, there's a reason I've got a dead tree up here on stage with me, all right, guys? So just bear with me. So as we go, we're starting a new series called Finding Purpose. Finding Purpose. And, and that's a lot of, a lot of stuff that we, we struggle with. We struggle with our purpose in life, um, especially as a younger person going through college, going through high school. What is my purpose in life? So our goal of this series is to find purpose in, in the teachings of Jesus. We are to find purpose in the teachings of Jesus. And there's three ways I want us to prepare our hearts for the teachings of Jesus, to, to, to find purpose in them. The first off, and as we go through this series, make, make this a constant reminder in your heart. The three ways is, the first one is to be ready in prayer. To always be ready in prayer. Ask God to clear your thoughts and your heart to receive truth. Number two is be ready in note-taking. Create a habit of not just listening, but write down what you learn. Take a, make a habit out of that. We've, we remember a lot more if we write stuff down, either digitally or, or physical. And then as we go through this series, the last thing I want us to do is be ready to share. 
Be ready to share. Talk to, talk to two or three people that you meet throughout the week about this, about what you're learning from these parables. I promise you, this is probably one of the hardest sermons I've ever had to put together. This was the hardest sermon I've had to put together because there was so much in here. And it's, it's going to be a difficult sermon for me to get through. But as we remember that, as we remember these three goals, just prepare your hearts this morning to hear. Prepare your minds to listen. Because this morning we're going we're gonna to be talking about a parable in Mark 4. It's the parable of the sower. So if you could with me this morning, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. It will be up on the screen also. Mark chapter 4. And so, so now, now we'll see how these trees come into play a little bit. Oh, Zeke's got y'all on point since I left. Y'all just stand up already. I like it. Let's go. Y'all ready for this? All right, Mark chapter 4. I got 20 verses, so it's going to be a little while. But all God's word is important, so we're not going to sit down for this. Verse 1, again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And, and in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell along among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain, but other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing in yield 30 and 60 and 100-fold. And he, and he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about these parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see and not perceive. They may indeed hear and not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the, the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, 
immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You may be seated. Lord, may you bless the hearing of your word this morning. Lord, may we go out changed. May we go out different because of your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm just going to dive right in. So because this is a long passage, I'm going to go through some things pretty quickly. But we, have to, we all have to start somewhere. So as this is the first parable, we must understand what a parable is. And I like this definition. Um, parables can be understood only from within. By allowing oneself to, see, to, to be taken into the story and hearing who God is and what humans may become. So this is a way that we can hear a story and understand who God is and what humans may become. This is, a, this is how it happens. So this is, a, this is how the parable happens. It uses pra- practical things to use as an example for heavenly matters. It can be used to simplify the explanation or to hide the meaning. So parables are used in Scripture to either simplify or hide the meaning. This parable is to hide. It makes the listener think. You don't just come out of this and, and, and fully know. It makes you, you ponder for a little while. Of course, we have Jesus' interpretation here, but it makes you ponder. What does this mean in my life? So first, we must must see where this uh, parable starts. What's the first thing Jesus says in this parable? Anybody? What's the first thing? It says, listen. Listen. That's important during parables. This is an imperative command. It it demotes urgency and importance. It's, It's a command and not a suggestion. Most of us come into this room this morning as a suggestion. We want to listen as a suggestion and not as a command of the Word of God. So this is what I'm going to do this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to pray for clarity for them. Pray that they might ha- may have ears to hear this morning. Now turn to your other neighbor and pray that they have ears to hear the word of God being preached this morning. Because this is important. Because battle will be done today. I promise you, this is, 
preparing this sermon, I've went through more spiritual battles this week than I have probably since I've been at Ohana Church. I've had more issues arise personally this week because I know the kingdoms was at war within me. Satan was trying to attack me. So we must have ears to hear the word of God. Hearing, or better, heeding, requires engagement and receptivity to what is being said. So we must, in our minds, be teachable in order to be taught this morning. We must have ears to hear in order to listen to this morning. Because it's important. So as we move forward... There's three key elements that I want to talk about of this parable. There's three people or things in this parable that I want us to talk about. The first one is the farmer. And this is my redneck side coming out because in scripture it's called the sower. My my grandfather was a farmer. I grew up on a farm pretty much, especially during the summer months. We would go there and play and, and do all that sort. My, my father was probably more of a sower. We had a garden that we started. And in order to start this garden, all right, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Tennessee soil is not much better than Paradise Park soil. It's about got this much more dirt on top, but it's still pretty rocky. So in order for us to start a garden, we had to plow. We had to till the land. But we did that because the farmer's intent is to sow in every corner of the field. He wants to produce as much crop as he possibly can. That is the intentions of this guy, this this sower that Jesus speaks about. Even so, with the rocks and the thorns and the elements of this parable, the intention is to reap as much crop as, as you possibly can. This is, and as, as we can tell, this is the, the farmer is actually sharing. He's sharing. This is a promiscuous preaching of the gospel. The, I, I listened to some sermons that, that used analogies that the farmer actually, like nowadays we have this special equipment that plows and then puts, puts seeds in everywhere you want it. This wasn't like this. He had a bag, like a fanny pack, and he would just, Throw it. Throw it. So he didn't know where it was leading. He was trying to sow as much seed on that field as he possibly could. This was not intentional sowing. This was, this was as last, as, as, as big as possible. But something we must understand before we move forward. The sower is consistent. The sower is consistent in this passage. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 says this, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and will will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. Jesus is, I mean, Paul is saying in this passage, it doesn't matter who the sower is. It doesn't matter who the sower is. As long as you, as long as you are sowing the seed. So what is the seed? 
That's, that's our second key element. The seed is the word, verse 14 says. The seed is the gospel. I can sow other things besides the gospel. I can promise you a lot, and I could create a big following. Watch this. Because I can say a statement, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. If they had an audience like this, and somebody says, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and everybody gets a car. You can create a massive following because she has a, a book deal with New York Times. You, you young people, it's Oprah. If you know, I mean, I know I'm still young, but I know who Oprah is. We only had five channels growing up, so. You can create a following with a false seed. You can, you can create a following with a pretty seed. Everything will be all right. God wants you to live in a million-dollar house. You could, you could follow a gospel like that. God never wants you to struggle in life. It's an easy gospel to follow. So the seed has to be consistent. In order for the sower to be consistent, the seed has to be consistent, which leads us to the last thing that differs What's the last thing that differs? It's the soil. And it gives us different outcomes. It gives us multiple outcomes. When, when the seed is spread on this, the consistent seed is spread on this, the soil gives different outcomes. So there's four of them that we see in this passage. The first one is the path. What is this? This is the pathway that the sower actually walks around to get to all the parts of the field. If you remember, like, you can even see on, in pictures of the Midwest that, that tractors have rows, the pathways, in order to get to places in their field. That is what this is. It's a hard path that's beating down. If you want to think of something, think of Carl Smith Pathway. You cannot miss that pathway. No grass grows on it. Why? Because it's, it's compacted. That's the path everyone goes. So if you actually sow grass on it, I don't know if any birds would touch it. The mongoose would over there. And then you got rocky ground. That's where the hard parts of your heart hasn't been plowed yet. That's where the hard parts of the ground hasn't been plowed. Listen to this. This is what one of the theologians said. And it kind of looks like this one, but this wasn't the analogy. Quick to grow, quick to decay. Be wary of people that shoot up because they might fall away. The rocky ground is, there's no depth of it. There's no firm foundation so when turmoil comes, when the sun gets too hot, it dies and decays. And then we got the thorny ground. This is one where the actual thorns were 
were tilled up and it was mixed in with the soil. So when the gospel was planted, when the seed was planted, when the word was planted, there was other stuff in there. There was other promises inside. So as the plant starts growing, so does the thorns. So does this. Great analogy is that stupid vine I cannot get rid of at my house. I've killed one of these trees that my wife loved because I was trying to spray poison on the vine. It chokes everything out. In Africa, they actually use the thorn bushes as fencing. So it's easy to mix the seed as, as that blooms. And th those thorns in Africa are only about this long. So you don't mess with them too much. No critter messes with them. They're used as fences instead of in the rows. But if they get into the rows, you're in trouble. It will produce no fruit. And then lastly, we get good soil. The good soil produces fruit. At this time in, in, in um, the period of the earth, whatever you call it, in this time in history, a good increase, a good crop was tenfold. A good crop at this time was tenfold. Eight to tenfold is, is you're doing good. You're doing the right things as a farmer. So when Jesus says it was 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, all the farmers knew, like, ta-ding, God's blessed this. For some reason, God has blessed this field, this, this area that, that produces so much. Which leads us to the second point. Which leads us to the second point. But we got to understand where this second point is. That is all, and I kind of gave away some of the hints, but that is all the congregation heard. When Jesus was preaching, that was all the congregation heard. Look at me, look at, look at verse 10 with me. And when he was alone, so this was after the parable, so the congregation that Jesus was preaching to, all right, because that was followers, they came to him in a large crowd. In verse 1, and he began to teach beside the sea. But the crowd grew so large that they had to put him in a boat and put him in an amphitheater seating. And then it goes to verse 10, and when he was alone. So that's a different change of venue, right? Yes, this is yes. This is no. I love you guys. You got to respond to me a little bit. So this was a change of venue, correct? Yeah, there we go. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with, with the twelve and asked him about the parables. So the congregation of, of Christ only got the first nine verses of this, which is important because then we get to verse 10. This is where, this is, I, I, I heard this, and so I liked it, and so I, I'm using it. In this parable, there's a, there's a beginning and an end with this gap in the middle. Mark likes to use this type of, 
of writing. And we got to remember, sometimes we, we get lost in the translation that, that this book was written like a diary. Oh, Jesus went and did this. Jesus went and did this. But this was a summary afterwards. So this did not happen at the same moment. Mark just thought it was important, so he put this in here. This is called the sandwich, the sandwich effect. Because in a sandwich, the beautiful part of the sandwich is the meat's in the middle. So as we look at these verses, this is where the meat is. This is where the heart is. Verse 11 says this, And he said to them, after they were alone, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is imparable, so that they may indeed see and not perceive. They may indeed hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's some heavy verses right there. Those are two heavy verses, but Jesus makes a distinction. There's two different, there's two types of people. Those people that are on the inside, those that have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, those that are walking with Jesus daily, and those on the outside. Those on the outside, which is the first three soils. Those are the ones that Jesus says in Matthew in the same parable that I can pray for healing for. Do you know what this means? Do we understand the full context of this? Using the same math as Jesus did in this parable? As he preached to his church, three quarters, 75% of them would be turned away at the pearly gates. He's preaching to the church and not, he's preaching to his following. Three quarters would have been, thrown, would have been turned away at the pearly gates. we got to assume that there's those in this room that profess Jesus that's going to be turned away. That's the purpose of this parable. That's the purpose of this, this whole passage is that there are people that believe they are Christians that are not. So there's two types of people in this room. Those on the inside and those on the outside. God reveals his family secrets to those whose hearts are prone Receptive and obedient. Listen, listen. While deliberately hiding truth from those who reject the light given to them. 
Jesus is saying God hides the truth from those that reject him. When you come into this house of worship, when you come into 1967, Kinoli Street, and continually to reject truth, and guess what? It might not be all truth that's preached over this pulpit, but when you reject some, Jesus can hide truth from you, which is a terrible, scary thing. Which leads us to the last as we, as we look at the types of soils. So, we've talked about the three things, the, the sower, the seed, and the field. Today, I am the sower. The seed is Mark 4, 1 through 20. And you are the field. And so there's four, as, just as there's the people on the inside and the people on the outside, there's four types of soil in this room. This is under the meaning, the meaning of the parable. Because remember now, in this parable, this was only for the, the people that was close to Jesus. Many of y'all might not even know this, but the example of this would be if I only gave you the first nine verses and then everybody that was in the pre-production uh, meeting this morning, we all went back in there and we discussed it. That is the setup of these verses. So he left people wondering like, oh, I want a field with a hundredfold seed. He didn't explain it to all of them. But there was four types there. Number one is the evil heart. This is, this is the one that the soil is so hard the gospel does not penetrate it. Listen to me. If you walk out of here every Sunday and when you get to the fence, you don't remember what the preacher said, what Kahuzik said, watch out. Watch out. How does this happen? How, how, does, how does one's heart get so hard? After, after listening to the gospel every week, how does the, the heart? Now, we can find these outside, too. I promise you that. But coming in every week, how does the heart get this way? Sin. Habitual sin. It's that unrepentant of sin in your heart. The one that you're like, Jesus, I still want this. I still... I, mean, I know I should turn from it, but I like it. I enjoy it, so I'm not. And it hardens the heart. We look at the life of Pharaoh. Pharaoh continued to turn his back on Moses when he said, let my people go. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Every other time it was somebody else. Pharaoh hardened his heart, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. They work equally. But it was because of his rejection to truth that his heart was hardened. Now listen to me, we, are all, we were all in sin at one point. We've all been here. This is where we are. This is where we start is an evil heart, a dead heart. 
And we all still fail. There's not a perfect human being in this room. We all have moments of evil heartness. I promise you that. But some in this room, some, some right now, they don't understand what's going on. They don't feel the spiritual warfare going on in this room. They don't understand the looming doom that's about to happen because their hearts are so hardened. Now let me take a step back. If you're the good soil, you feel that. If you're the good soil, your heart is crying out for that right now. This is how Paul wrote about the evil heart. Romans 1, 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what, they, what can be known about God is plain to them. God has revealed himself. It is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his in, in, invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have made, uh, has been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became fruitile in their thinking and in their foolish hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The evil heart. Later on in Romans, he talks about letting them stay in their unrighteousness because of unrepentant sin. Listen to this. This is Matthew Henry. A quote from Matthew Henry. The saddest condition that a person can be under is to sit under the faithful preaching of the gospel every week and still have a dead, stupid, unbroken heart. One of the biggest things I'm about, like one of the scariest things in my mind to me is that I'm held accountable for the time and information I've been given. We have more resources. I have more resources on my phone than Charles Spurgeon had in his library. I have more resources on this box than all, most of the preachers before me combined. Yeah. 